Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of the Framework Podcast. I'm one of your two hosts for today, Jamie and Anna. Thanks for joining us here. I know we're just wrapping up now here out at FPA Annual Conference in Seattle. So thanks for being on the show as always, Anna. Thanks, Jamie. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you again, you know, as we've been here for three days together. And yeah. Heidi, uh, thank you for coming and joining us on the show here. I know you were part of the conference all week. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, you've been a great member of coaching for a long time and a leader in FPA. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. For uh, so any of the listeners that don't know you personally, could you give people like the 30 seconds of who you are, what you do, um, just so kind of, you know, level set for that? Sure. Um, Heidi Johnson-Bixby, I have a financial planning firm in Vancouver, Washington, just conveniently three hours south of this conference, which is nice. Um, We have five planners in the firm and about 25 total, and we do comprehensive planning for families and individuals. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, we will get to it because I want to hear a little bit about how you've structured your team, how you've created career paths and all of that, which I think is so beautiful and meaningful. Uh, one of the fun things we like to kick off on the show, though, is just your favorite food. Oh. What I mean, yeah, what comes to mind there? <laughs> Anything. I don't have to cook. Not, <laughs> I'm serious. Any, put it in front of me, and I'm happy to eat it. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite type of cuisine? I really don't. Yeah. I am not picky. I'm okay. not someone who likes to cook or think about food. There you go. Well, uh, maybe we'll ask a, uh, another fun one, which is, what's your first money memory? So... I think this is one that's actually driven uh, a lot and fortunate to be in this career because my, I, anytime I wanted something as a child and it's not a specific, although there are some, the response is what's specific that I remember is my mom always said, if you want it, save your pennies. Mm -hmm. And so I did, you know, it's like, (laughs) if you want it, work for it and save your pennies. Um, And, and that has rung true. Like I learned at a very early age if I wanted something, I could work and earn it. Mm. That's a great lesson, I think, to, to learn early on. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, Heidi, Tess, did you have a first uh, big purchase that you remember? The So the big thing that I do remember related to that was um, I had been given curio, curio dolls. They were a specific kind of porcelain doll. Okay. And I'd received several over the years, and I didn't have a, a curio cabinet to put them in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to save for. And so it, was, it wasn't it was even terribly expensive, but it was a cabinet to put those oh, I see. in. So you saved your pennies yeah, for something I saved my pennies. you remember. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about your journey into the profession and, and how you got where you are today. Oh, oh. <laughs> 32 years in a nutshell. Okay. So, 30 seconds. No, I'm 30, kidding. Yeah, 30 <laughs> seconds. Just joking. One second for each of you. <laughs> I, I think it's important because I find it's a bit of a different path. So um, when I started financial planning, uh, was a career, but not one that was like talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a business major um, going to community college. It's what I could afford. My parents couldn't send me to college. Um, and so I was working and going to school. And so, but I, I later identified that I'm very much an entrepreneur. I didn't know it at the time, but I, I very much am. Um, and so I came into this profession as more that business person and entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I fell into financial planning. I ha- I was un- literally unemployed for, th- for a few weeks and I applied for a job, ended up getting a position as an assistant to Uh, a financial planner. And she and I ended up being business partners for 17 years. She retired in 2008 and I've owned the firm since Uh, we celebrate our 40th year this next year. So it's, it's definitely been a journey, but I think 
my path was um, in continuing or initially like just growing the firm and the client base and then getting all my certifications and CFP designation. But then my passion for financial planning came later. Mm -hmm. And so my entree into it was far more on the business side Mm -hmm. and running the practice. Um, And then the growing of the work that we do is um, what came later. Yeah, you've really built, you know, from what I know, a really amazing practice. And so can you talk a little bit, as I said, we'll get to that, but I think it's such a unique thing you've done with the career path for everybody. Yeah. Could you talk about where that came about and what you have structured? Because you have a, a, a nice size business and team, yeah. 20-some people, and you've really put structure and meaningful thought be, behind building that. Yeah. I, the one thing I want to express, um, it has taken years to get here. And there's all these templates out there of, you know, this is how you do it. I, I will say we are at a place finally where we have a path for someone to come in as a client service team member, um, really not knowing really anything about the industry. Great if they do. Those people are hard to find. But taking them and saying these are all the things you need to learn about the operational side, uh, the lingo, the language, what a registration means, how to process paperwork, all of all of the trading aspects – um, and then they, after um, about three months, they get to start sitting in on meetings and they start learning what we do and how that works and how those conversations go, how to take minutes. Um, and if they want to go onto a path to be a planner, then being in client service, though, is really a two-year process. You, you have a lot to learn. And then if they want to go on to be a planner, um, there's the the ability to learn the financial planning. And again, it's a very um, scripted process of these are the things you have to learn. This is how we do it as a firm. These are, you know, like the parameters. You, of course, have your own personality, but there's philosophy of the firm. There's understanding the investments. So it's very much a process. And I would say it's going to be unique to every firm, but it's taken us this long to get here because it takes the people to be able to have the process. And that has been the hardest thing over the years is to have the consistency of the the people doing it. I have someone managing client services now who takes the time with them, um, mentoring them, teaching them all the aspects, making sure it's correct, doing, doing the um, oversight to make sure they're enforcing, um, you know, that we're compliant and all of that. But then also um, having... There's there's three people, I would say, the director of client services who is doing the day-to-day teaching, mm-hmm. but then also a mentor of that entire team. And then on the financial planning side, we have someone who is also director of financial planning to make sure everyone doing the planning is consistent to review plans. But it takes the people. The process is documented. You can six ways to Sunday, find it on Carson <laughs> or what we've done. It is the finding the people who have the knowledge and experience to enforce it and work together to make it happen. The path is not that hard. Yeah. It's the people. Do you look for certain characteristics in people that you want in your firm, whether it's like that they've overcome something? Like, what is it? Yeah. Are there intangible things besides? Because you said, like, look, some people have knowledge, but you also have to find people that don't, yeah. already, haven't already been in the business for 30 years. Yeah. I think um, to survive in, and I say sur- survive, <laughs> it's probably not a fair word. Um, I think to succeed in our firm, you have to be, uh, you have to value t- a few things. You have to value learning 
and you want, and you recognize that you don't know everything, nor will you ever. So you have to value learning and working within a team. And what that sometimes means to people is, um, you're told what to do, but you're on a team doing your part. And in our team environment, you have your part and you bring knowledge to it, but you, no one person does the entire process. And so working in our team means you have to be okay with everyone seeing your work and having access to that work Mm -hmm. and documenting things in the same way so that if you're out on vacation, anyone can pick it up and move it forward. That is very much um, characteristic that you have to be a confident person to be able to know your stuff, know that everyone else is going to see your stuff, that you're participating and bringing your best self, um, and that you believe in our mission, uh, which I've talked to Anna a little bit about, which we call the ripple effect, Mm -hmm. that, that you have to believe that what you're doing is making an impact in people's lives and that you want your knowledge and experience to benefit others. And we say we help people make more informed decisions. And by doing that, um, you know, it's what all of us want in this profession is, is to improve um, our clients' lives. But by doing that, we're also having a successful business that um, the firm survives and the, and our employees have a great life. But then those families that of our clients improve, which it therefore improves the community. And we, the ripple effect is for us is that it's giving, um, it's giving to our clients and having them first giving to the profession and, and, um, bringing up and mentoring the next generation, doing pro bono work, doing other things that give back to the profession and then giving to the community. So for us, the ripple effect is something as far as characteristics, like you want to be part of that. Yeah. And your team is, seems very close, like you, you lunch together, dinner together. And so we, we had the privilege of, of hanging out with Heidi and her team the other evening. And um, so how do you build that camaraderie and community among your team so that way, like, the, they have that feeling of, I want to be together. I want to go to dinner together and hang out with my team. I have to say, hey, <laughs> after COVID, this is one of the reasons we were here. It's like the chance yeah, to do does. that. We have never seen each other. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of hybrid working, especially among the planners. So like to have us all together was, was really amazing uh, and fun. Um, you know, I think we have just such great respect for each other. We realize that the talents that each of us have. And so we really rely on each other um, for that knowledge and expertise and, um, yeah, I, I think we just have really great respect for each other. When you um, look at kind of growing a business, you, you talked about putting other people in the lead. Mm-hmm. Was that a challenge for you too, to like pass that off to somebody? And like, how did then you get comfortable with that? Because at some point, right, yeah. you were also the one doing that. And then you got somebody else to yeah, do Yeah, I'm it. still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I wish I was a better delegator. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a delegator because I want the control. I'm a delegator because I'm a very nonlinear person. And so I'm not the teacher person. I'm not the one mentoring uh, directly. I will have a one-on-one fabulous conversation with someone, but I don't want to be responsible for the training track. That's not me. Um, so I have a hard time delegating because it requires me to be organized to pass it off to someone. <laughs> That's so, so what is great with the team though, that we've now developed and, you know, we have people that uh, um, have have been there and know the systems. 
like they're able to sit in with me and they do their thing. I do my thing and off it goes and it's off my plate. And so the delegating has for me has to be someone who I don't have to explain a lot to just, just because I'm not a good explainer. <laughs> no, I understand that. Sometimes I get tied up with, as you can see, sometimes I get tied up with my words and such. But yesterday you gave a really beautiful introduction to our coaches for their session at yes. the annual conference. And so um, tell our, our listeners about that story, how you met Greg and, and how you came to Carson Coaching and well, what you get out of it. It's kind of serendipitous because it was in September of 2014 here in Seattle at the oh, FPA cool. conference that I met Greg. And I'm not sure that he's often at an FPA conference. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, but at the time, that was about eight years ago, um, there, there were growth challenges that we all have an experience. What um, I had signed up, they had, you know, like massage and then coaching and mm-hmm. HR review your website. <laughs> there are all these things you could sign up for. And coaching was one of them. And so we, uh, Kim and I uh, were here and we had met with Greg and, and talked to him about some of the things we were dealing with. And it was the first time, I, I'm not kidding you, it's like, oh my God, I don't have to explain to you what the difference is between an RAA and a BD or you know, some of the language mm-hmm. that we use and the struggle and the compliance that we have in our industry. And it, it was like, oh, the, it was, it's like I said before, I'm not a good one to explain uh, and in that instance. And so to have someone who already knows it, I'm like, oh, okay, we can make good things happen here. I signed up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> and so great. I've worked with Greg for eight years now. And I would say, um, you know, the other thing that happens is you get further in your career and um, have uh, responsibility or authority is that there's less chance for people to not less chance. There's less willingness for people to give you feedback and challenge you. And so one of the things Greg does is he challenges my thinking. Um, he also reinforces my thinking because I think how we practice as a firm is not, um, I, I wouldn't say it's not common, but it is very much um, about teamwork and, and I, I just not how a lot of firms are designed and how they operate. And so, reinforcing that yeah you can be different and it's okay it's mm-hmm. that's working for you let's let's keep doing that so it's been good for that um we he challenged me on some things that took several years to actually happen and they were kind of forced to happen but he but you know it's like okay i'd been thinking about it for a while and then when it happened it it was all fine and, and worked out um on occasion i'm like how come you didn't push me harder <laughs> like I did. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Cause I didn't listen, <laughs> but it's, it's a great relationship. He's a, he's a good match for me. Part of being a great fiduciary is helping your clients understand their full financial picture. And it should be no different for your life. Do you know what your business is worth? Get your firm valuation today with our free valuation calculator. Whether you're looking to share equity with your team buy another firm, prepare for an exit, or just simply want to see the market value of your business, visit carsongroup.com slash valuation to get started. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think the one too, of like the affirming some thoughts is yes. super powerful. I'm probably a better challenger of thoughts than I am like reaffirmer of the good thing right? uh-huh. and that you, you, you can do it differently this is good and this is okay and this is you and yeah i think that that coaches and mentors play both roles right they do yeah Yeah, very much so 
I think it's similar to what we do with clients. I mean, the best thing that I can say to a client is you're in great shape and you're doing good. They need that reinforcement Mm -hmm. to know that because who else is going to tell them that? No one else is going to tell them. And similar for me, one of the things Greg's does is it's like, yeah, your your thinking is good. It's solid. Go ahead and keep going. What's probably the biggest thing you can think of since you just said, said that one where you, you wish you would have pushed you further, maybe at some point. What's the biggest change where you felt like maybe Greg was telling you to do something that just yeah. took a while? Um, so I had been with a broker dealer for nearly 30 years and they had been bought out and then got merged into uh, another broker dealer. And well before that, Greg had said, go independent. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. All these reasons. I had my reasons. And um and then when I was kind of forced to do it, I'm yeah. like, why? Why didn't you tell me sooner? <laughs> <laughs> but but for all those reasons, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of felt justified in why I hadn't done it sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's worked out the way it should. But um, yeah, not not hearing enough that it would have been fine to do it before that. Yeah. You know, look, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of improvements in some of the BDE relationships out there um but i still think there's a lot of people looking to leave that side of the world today mm-hmm. so if the, is there one thing that you felt like what changed because it seems like hey you did it and it was the right time for you yeah and somebody else might be listening to this right now be like that's yeah, the right time for me too yeah. well what's one big thing that you felt like did change for you when you went independent and didn't have the broker side anymore uh, i do still just for clarification i do still have the broker side okay um, so, uh, but all of, which is, you know, most of our businesses are a, but we have legacy yeah. assets. So we are, um, fee-based. Um, the, one of the biggest, the, I'm going to go back to people. Mm-hmm. Part of it is it's a massive undertaking for our size of business and number of clients to change. And so to have the communication ready to have understanding all the paperwork, all the compliance, to understand everything that would take to go into it is months of preparation. And so I think uh, with all the other growth and things that were happening in the firm, I didn't have the energy to put good enough thought to feel like, okay, I've got this and we're going to make mm-hmm. this work well. When it did happen, it was good timing. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. Yeah. Because it's not something you do lightly. I mean, no. there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I mean, it's impacting your business, the clients. way you function, the clients, their yeah. service, right? Because yeah. there are things that, like, maybe that service isn't here. Or it's not the same. Or yeah. they had a strategy or product that, you know, can't be served as well anymore, yes. too. So it's, uh, those are, like, I mean, they're big because they're impacting people's lives. Yeah. I need to shift a little bit. I know I yep. did send you a list of questions, and I wanted to honor that you did prepare. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've forgotten them now. <laughs> um, but, but what's one book that you've read that you recommend to other firm owners that have has been really impactful for you? Um, you might think it's some business thing, but I love Malcolm Gladwell. Anything Malcolm writes, <laughs> I love. Um, and it's more about that getting me to think in a different way and put put things that you wouldn't necessarily put together together. Um, I just love his train of thought. Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell's, I think, amazing books and some yeah. amazing work. Well, I, I got to see him after a conference and have a book signing. And I went up to him. I, I mean, it's really, I'm like, I love you. And he, <laughs> and he says, well, you can never have too much love. <laughs> I don't think he knew what to say, Mal. 
That is wonderful. Um, so sometimes you ask this one too is, uh, what's one thing about the industry that you think is going to change in the future and one thing that you don't think is going to change? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, not on the list. <laughs> uh, I told you he likes to throw people I like, to throw, <laughs> yeah. I like to throw things out. There, um, I do think, you know, in our speaker just ending the, the keynote today, I, I do think the the demographics – will have an impact on the future. And, you know, there's there's a conversation that has been happening about talking to women and having them more engaged. And, um, you know, our, our practice is mostly women and not by design, but it's just our approach. And we talk to people like humans. And I think that's, that's kind of, um, I, I think more people will realize it's not about the investments. Uh, it's never has been for us. I mean, anyone can manage money. For us, it's it's about the relationship and how do we get there. I think that is what will continue to not change but be more embraced. Um, yeah. And and good. That's great. Things that won't change. I, I mean. I think investing is investing. And as our speaker also said today, you know, the market is what it is and it'll keep building wealth for generations mm-hmm. to come. Um, but yeah. it, it is what it is. I like that one too. <laughs> the market, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and do, people do talk about uncertainty. I'm like, man, eh, it's just different times, different factors, but you know, mm-hmm. it's working Should. the way it's all good. Yeah. We, I did a lot of that this year. We have Ryan Dietrich who came over and, you know, he kept talking about, look, like you go back but every single midterm election yeah. year since World War II, it pretty much looked like this year, right? <laughs> like, like at every one of those, somebody's like, this year's different. He's like, but, you know, it's really three year pullback, basically early September, roughly 20 something percent down. And then a year out, like basically 28 percent up. And that was every single time. And we're looking like we might have hit the lows in September, too. Right. Yeah. Like it's literally like and there's all these other things we want to say is different. But it's kind of tracking like every other time. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as clients are being able to live the life that they want, and that's what we care about. So yeah. it's the most important thing, right? Yeah. For everybody. At the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Heidi, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting Bye. with you. Bye we as appreciate well. your time and want to be mindful. We know you have your, your awesome team waiting for you. Mm-hmm. So we like to always end with the question, what does finding your freedom mean to you? So that's, I find that an interesting question because I've, I maybe I, I just am extremely fortunate. I don't feel like finding freedom is something I have to do because I have freedom by the fact that I get to do what I love every single day. Yeah. So I don't, I don't feel like I have to find freedom because I have it. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. And that uh, usually means that sometimes we've asked people like on that scale of one to 10, where are you with your freedom? And yeah, you're, you may, yeah. yeah you're, 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 <laughs> I'm good. So, well, yeah. Heidi, uh, appreciate your leadership, the yeah. way you've built your firm, the way you impact the profession, yeah, my you know, pleasure. supporting FPA and Carson. And so thank you for everything that you've done. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And okay. thank you everyone else for listening to this episode of the framework podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. <laughs>